right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast. It's Wednesday. It's March 11th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are looking at a Wednesday basketball slate. Not that many games, and actually not that much injury news. Only six games. Not a ton of injury news, although the stuff that... The, the few pieces that we have of injuries, the, basically the whole slate will hinge on them. So, so we're going to mention two guys as we get through here. Um, and those seem to be the biggest ones, and the, really maybe the whole slate hinges on it. And after that, I think we have some, well, we have some injury news kind of going the other way. Um, I don't know if we're getting into like the weirdness of the NBA season. I thought Tuesday night played out pretty much as planned. I think I texted you that I was over over Andre Drummond for, yeah, for, my, for, for my whole life. <laughs> I watched him last night. Oh, man, the energy. It was just like, you know what? You know what's a bad sign? Here's a bad sign. Free throws. He's on the block. Um, you mm-hmm. know, waiting for the rebound. Before the guy even begin, maybe this is a sign of solidarity with his teammate that he's just going to make it. So maybe that's what it, th- it could be. It, it, could <laughs> it be helps that. like Colin Sexton or whatever to know that his teammates feel total confidence. As, <laughs> as the guy's going over the shot, he has turned his he has begun turning his back to run back up the court. <laughs> and he does a move. I've never seen this before. He does a move where he taps the legs of both guys who are on either side of him, but basically saying, Hey, it's all you. Just <laughs> yes. This, no, you're good. Yeah. He's like doing it to like, you know, Wendell Carter, uh, Wendell Carter Jr., like Daniel Gafford. He's just like he just taps him. He's like, Don't even worry about it. Friend of all fellow NBA player of mine, I you need not put in any effort on this. Whether it misses, hey guys, no one, no one's going anywhere. Right? Let's just not get hurt. <laughs> no, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, even is it was one of those ones like, even if it were to miss, there's no chance of the rebound anyway. So I, why bother? Like why why, why am I even watching this guy play? I can I give you the case for Andre Drummond just as a human being, real quick? Because I'm know sure me, he's I'm, great. I'm, I'm sure he's great. I'm very quick to just hammer these. Uh, pro guys just can't be bothered to go out there and just play hoops um, because, you know, again, it's the job that every young child in America would, would dream to have in many cases. With Drummond, though, I do feel like like if you read his interviews or watch his interviews when he got traded away from Detroit, he was legitimately heartbroken. And when you watched him playing in Detroit, you did not get the sense no. that this was a guy mailing it in. Like he was still going up there in, you know, this 20-win season or whatever, you know, getting 19 rebounds a night, blocking three or four shots, multiple steals. Like, he was playing his absolute ass off. And just to be, I think, commoditized anyway, I think it was just, like, legitimately depressing for him. So shout-out to Andre Drummond, buddy. Take a mental health day or two and uh, <laughs> and keep getting after it. I, I, think, I think you wait for him to be on a team he wants to be on again. And I'm buying Andre Drummond stock. Poor guy. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens in the offseason if he picks up. Uh, he's gonna pick up. He's gonna be on the Cavs because I think it'd be absolutely insane to not pick up this player option. Although, yeah, well, that that will actually really tell. Then I, I might take back my my strong affection for Andre Drummond if that's the case. Because if he wants to be there, if he wants the money, he should play. If he's just like, screw this, man, I'm I'm getting out. I'm gonna join a new team. Then I respect that. Anyway, so that was a brutal watch. Our FanDuel lineups and drafting lineups cashed anyway, so it wasn't. It didn't it didn't stop us from getting anywhere. But uh, <laughs> but it was. Even when we miss, we can't miss. <laughs> hey, there you go. All right, let's get into some of these games. Get into some of the injury stuff. Get into some of the value plays for FanDuel and DraftKings. Seven o'clock. Detroit goes into Philly. Um, Philly is right now eleven and a half point home favorites. With the big injury news being that. We have Josh Richardson is going. He's back. He was had sat out the last few games for, uh, because of concussion. And then Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid is questionable with the shoulder sprain. Um, and the reason it's, it's worth mentioning these two guys because in the interim, we've really been not all in, but very much in on guys like Tobias Harris, 
uh, at time, you know, most times, guys like Shake Milton does the return of Richardson, and I would say Embiid's probably likely here um, to play, uh, more like likely than he is questionable. We'll obviously know well in advance of uh, of lineup lock, but does that just basically kill? Like, does that kind of wipe the Sixers off the map here for DFS purposes? And just knowing. I guess the Richardson one isn't as big, but the Embiid one would definitely be like the end of, even like 25 minutes out of Embiid, feels like that'd be the end of the price increase on Tobias Harris. Yeah, well, I I was going to say, it's a confluence of factors here. So, you know, someone like Richardson returning to the lineup, on its face, doesn't necessarily turn everything upside down. But, like we've talked about many, many times, the difference between our top overall lineups and our 50th overall lineup, let's say, might be the difference of two total fantasy points, right? So can Richardson come in and move the needle on one of these guys? One or two fantasy points? Absolutely. And Embiid is going to have even more of a dramatic effect. So I think, sure, if you're going to get 25 minutes out of Embiid, uh, you combine that with the idea that Harris is, geez, it's been so long, I can't even remember his pre-Simmons and Embiid pricing. It was like 6400 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I thought it was low sixes, but um, he's even up from recent highs too, so... Harris at a season high price tag with usage coming off the table, I don't think is a playable option here. I mean, I guess I'll take it back. I don't think it's going to absolutely house you, but I think it's telling that even after this long stretch where he's put up his best run of the season, he's still not averaging paying value on this price over the course of the season. So I think that tells me just about what I need to know to say it looks like a stay away. Yeah, so I think, like I said, we'll have the Embiid news ahead of time. Um, Richardson is already in, and so, um, but we'll have that in advance of lineup lock. Now, this is blowout zone territory for the Pistons for sure. This is a very, this is a terrible team. I mean, they lost by twelve to the, they lost by twelve to the Knicks last time out. They. Now, the weird thing is who plays point guard here because Bruce Brown played 37 minutes in that game against the Knicks, although he's questionable now, but that game Brandon Knight sat out, and Brandon Knight had started but not really played tons and tons of minutes and really isn't that good anyway. Uh, Christian Wood, we've seen him put up some fantasy stuff. And the other piece of uh, injury news I guess it's worth mentioning is that John Henson, who had been starting at center, is out. Thon McCarr, um, Thon Maker, had played 28 minutes last time off the bench when Henson went out but wasn't really all that productive fantasy-wise. And get, and if he were to play Embiid, would get a bad matchup. Uh, I'm just kind of you know running down the list of relevant guys here, but I'm wondering if between the blowout and just sort of how bad the Pistons are, is there anything to like really see here fantasy-wise? Well, it's going to be close. Um, I'd say the Philly defense might even matter to me more than the potential for a blowout, just because Detroit, while on paper, they, they truly look like a terrible, terrible team, They've sort of hung with decent teams recently, right? I mean, they lost by six to Utah. They lost by seven to OKC. Um, and a lot of that is on the back of really phenomenal play from Christian Wood. And he's actually been a very highly owned DFS option as well. Uh, I think, you know, the price, again, sort of peaking. Whether you're worried about the blowout or not, it's a very tough matchup with Philly, who obviously is just so long. And, you know, one of those teams that is going to be very switchable on a guy like Wood in a way that some other teams might not be able to be. So maybe tonight's not the night to go back to the Christian Wood well, but he's he's seen a lot of ownership recently, and I wouldn't be surprised if people just look at the very, very solid floor on him and say, eh, sure, power forward, always kind of tough. Why not roll it out there? So that that's the one guy I could see from the Pistons. I don't think anyone else will even get you know, 10% ownership tonight. Yeah, like I said, if, if Brandon Knight was still out and Bruce Brown was going to get all the 
point guard minutes, and I think that you can maybe take you know, 5,000. It's be hard, yeah, to, him, hard for him to kill you, but the problem is, like I said, Brandon Knight is probable and Bruce Brown is questionable. So I, I just don't even, <laughs> I just don't think the minutes are going to be all that robust for Brown or for really either of them, um, even in like the best of situations. So uh, keep an eye out on the injury news there, but I think all in all, between the matchup and everything else, uh, this probably is a stay away. And like I said, Brandon Knight, he's 4,900. Even when he got the start against Utah, he only played uh, 28 minutes, uh, scored 23 fantasy points. He did get 38 minutes against OKC. So I suppose if the one you know area that you can hang here is if Bruce Brown were out, then maybe you be you get kind of aggressive on Brandon Knight's uh, on Brandon Knight's price. And still, it's, this is still a really really bad matchup for a small guy like him. All right, 7:30. Knicks go in and play Atlanta. I'm not there yet because we don't have a full season of it, but I'm close to declaring the Knicks the new Washington Wizards. This is the start. These are the starter minutes for when they played said Washington okay. Wizards last night in what ultimately was a close game. Um, this game was close-ish. Excuse me, the Knicks were just winning straight out at halftime, 70 to 54. Mm. So they were winning by 16 at halftime. Ended up blowing the lead uh, because they got outscored 68 to 45 in the second half. Starter minutes. Here we go. Julius Randle fouls out 26 minutes. Mo Harkless, 12 minutes. Taj Gibson, 17. Alfred Payton, 18. R.J. Barrett, 30. Then the bench minutes were the, the bench minutes were the starter minutes. Porter's plays 27. Mitch Robb played 25. Frank Nicolina played 30. He closed the game out, went 20 and 10 for the best game of his entire life. Probably multiple, you can combine multiple best games of his together to equal this game to be the best game of his life. And then Reggie Bullock, 28 minutes. They're on the back-to-back. They have a great matchup against Atlanta. Most times we'd be like, yeah, Randall, Peyton, maybe even R.J. Barrett because of this matchup against Atlanta. I just can't feel comfortable with the way they've been running these starters. This is not a totally new thing either, the way they've been running the starter minutes. Yeah, I agree with that for most guys. I do think Julius Randall is probably a little bit safer than you're giving him credit for here. It's not like he lost minutes against Washington just arbitrarily. Like he fouled out of the game completely. Um, you know, in close games, we've seen him play a shorter rotation than we had seen prior this season, but he's still playing a 32, 33 minute rotation in close games. So I think he's, you know, like I don't think he's a, a risk to play 26 minutes unless he ex- exactly fouls out. Uh, whether he's a play on 32 minutes, I suppose, is a closer question. Uh, you know, recent history would suggest that he is, you know, aside from, you know, two of the last three games very bad, including that foul out against Washington. But prior to that, you're really looking at five to six X on this price very, very reliably, uh, almost regardless of the minutes. So I think Randall's still in play. Atlanta's weak enough on the interior. Uh, and, you know, I'm just looking down the line at some of these other teams that are coming up. And there's a lot of tough defenses and, you know, low totals and things like that. So I wouldn't rule them out altogether, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, you can make a case that last night they should have just started that second unit because Randall was a minus 24, Mo Harkless minus 25 in 12 minutes, pretty tough to do. Alfred Payton minus 24, and then guys like Porters were plus 11, Nick Kalina plus 17, Mitchell Robinson plus, well, plus three. The, the entire bench was plus, so they just didn't play those guys enough minutes. Um, like I said, I think probably short of an injury issue. I, I hear you on Randall. I just don't think the minutes are getting back to that 35, 36 range. All right, well, we haven't listed any other power forwards that we want to play so far. Let's let's keep our eyes open for what other power forwards are going to come <laughs> there's across. A couple, there's, there's, a, there's a couple other ones out there. I don't think what Randall... about another one in this game? What about your buddy John Collins over there? Um, yeah, Collins. You know, he's a guy that we've played quite a bit recently, but again, the price is at an all-time high right now in spite of Trey Young returning. So, uh, you know, he's kind of been scraping by on a just under $9,000 price tag. Where, you know, when we were playing him in the sevens and eights, he was kind of killing it. But Trey Young, 43 minutes last game against Charlotte. Well, that game went to double overtime. That game went to double overtime. 
Um, so the Collins minutes, the the game again. It was a game against Charlotte. The game went to double overtime. So Collins played 36 in regulation. De DeAndre Hunter, he played, but he had some foul trouble. And Trey probably, I, I think, only played like 35 in regulation. Um, and then you have no, no. It's Collins played a double overtime game and barely scraped by on this price. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. So the. I'm not. I'm, I'm concerned because I've. I, I don't have the exact numbers on this, but I had read somewhere that Collins's production greatly increased when he played center, because there was a stretch where he like a three-game stretch where he was playing center when they were without Damian Jones and Bruno Fernando and obviously Dwayne Dedman had out for a while. Right. But then when he moved strictly back to power forward, and I've seen this happen in games where I've watched him play, it's a lot more sort of standing in the corner for threes, yep. and it's a lot more off-ball stuff, and it's like not getting into any pick-and-roll stuff with Trey Young. It's just not any of that stuff. And the more, because we're going to talk about Dedman too, the more these guys, they just want to employ the center. Like they don't want to play Collins at center. Like as soon as these guys come back, they trade it for Clint Capella. He's going to be the center when eventually that he returns healthy. That's my concern is that the minutes are there, but when he doesn't, when he plays power forward, that's just not the plan. And I think that's enough for me to like not be overly excited about. And, and just like the eye test plays that out for me. So without having the hardcore number, I, I, is that enough for you? Is that like enough of an explanation to maybe like ding him a little bit here? Because this is a good matchup, all things considered, but I'm worried the more they get the, they play these center minutes that he's just not going to do a lot of the things we need to do at this price point. Yeah, he shot 13 times in 46 minutes on the court yeah. against Charlotte. That is not where you want to be. He made 12 of those. <laughs> so if you assume that he'll shoot 92% and get double overtime games, you know, maybe this is a fair price for him. But it just looks to me like he's overpriced. I think the price is going to come back down. And I think you got to be a little, like, all basically every indicator is bearish for him right now, right? right? So uh, combine that with an all-time high price, and I don't think that's where you want to be. So, yeah. I think you can consider Trey Young here, though he's getting very expensive. Um, I think there are some good mid-range plays on this slate that I am, can get excited about, so I don't think you have to play Trey Young on this uh, here. Me neither. And you know, as of right now, this is we're recording this at 8:50 in the morning Eastern time. There's just not currently a lot of cheap value, but that could change because I'm, and that could change based on this next game that we're going to talk about, and that's Charlotte goes into Miami. So the news in this game that we're really waiting on and probably hinges the whole slate is the status of Jimmy Butler. Butler left last game with a toe injury and is questionable for this one. If you were to play, I don't think that changes much than what I was talking about in terms of the cheap stuff. But if he sits, um, we probably just start going all in on guys like Kendrick Nunn, right? Like, and some of these other mm -hmm. ancillary pieces on, uh, on the Heat, right? Like, there's a pretty good matchup against Charlotte. We've seen Kendrick Nunn be a pretty chalk play. He's only 4,600. Do you is it fair to say that a guy like Butler like kind of like this the slate hinges on like the slate just completely changes if he if he were to set this game out? Yeah, yeah, I think that's always what we're waiting for with Miami, right? Is basically when are we going to get some injury news <laughs> that's going to open up additional opportunity for the other folks? So yeah, I'm right there with you. I think none, you know, we've happily played him. He's actually been almost like resounding chalk when Butler's been out and he's coming out of the starting lineup and, you know, can really sort of do his thing. Uh, Butler, while not technically a point guard, just has so much time on the ball that it's going to hurt uh, these young guys, you know, shot creators and so on, uh, like none. So I think I'd definitely be interested. I am a little bit concerned about none. Um, I, you know, hopefully we would have this news, but he's currently questionable with an illness and he did miss practice yesterday with his chest illness. So just keeping an eye on that too. If he were to miss and Butler to miss, 
then you can very safely run Goran Dragic out there. Yeah, so like I said, that game only starts 30 minutes after lineup lock. So I feel very confident. I feel mostly confident we'll have the news uh, on these. Confident uh, on Butler, less confident on none for me. With, with, oh, because of the illness? Yeah, like yesterday yeah. with Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson had an illness, and because he wasn't in the starting lineup, they just no one even was able to report it until he checked into the game. Like, it was, yeah, it's, I, it's with, with the illness thing, it's a little weird, and especially if you don't start. Now, it's, it's a little different with none because he starts. Uh, and when, with the starting, it's mostly with the starting lineups that you have to announce. You don't have to announce, I think, if the rest of the guys up down the bench are planning on playing or not. So um, from an injury reporting sort of like, league legality standpoint, I think. I, mm -hmm. I still do think we'll have the news in. Anything to see on Charlotte? Like, they've been sort of feisty lately. Uh, they, you know, they hung with Atlanta. That's not saying much, but Devontae Graham was really good. Uh, Terry Rozier was really good in that game. They have been playing some of these sort of bench guards a decent amount of minutes. They're splitting the center minutes. It's been a disaster between Zeller and Biombo. You can't really figure that one out. Anything to hear, see here on Charlotte? Yeah, not really. I mean, Charlotte's one of these teams that we mostly only see show up in our optimal lineups when it's a really short slate, or again, if there's considerable injury stuff, like particularly at center, if we can get a Biombo start with no Zeller or something like that. But in the absence of that, it's it's pretty tough to imagine running any of these guys out there. All right, let's take a break for a second and talk about The Athletic. Uh, you know these guys, because I, I praise these guys even without the, without having to do, not, well, I don't have to do the ad reads, without having sponsors come along to do ad reads. But The Athletic has really sort of turned content creation up on its head, uh, where we had gotten so much great stuff on the internet for so long for free. The Athletic came along and said, you know what, I think we think people will want to pay for really, really good content. And they created a subscription service and then went about just kind of grabbing some of and maybe sort of all of the best writers and content creators when it came to the different sports. Uh, they cover every sport. And I can focus here a little bit on basketball because it's the basketball podcast. Their basketball stuff is bar none. Some of the best stuff that you'll read out there. Shams Trani is out there. My favorite guy, John Hollinger, between what he puts out. You know, he was with ESPN, then he went to the Grizzlies, and then he came back and is now just working for The Athletic. Hollinger's there. Uh, Zach Harper, Michael Lee, uh, David Aldridge. The list kind of just goes on and on and on. Sam Amick. The list goes on and on and on about all these great NBA guys that they have working for them. Uh, and they're just putting out some of the best content around. And, you know, it's one of these things where, okay, you're, you'll have the chance to read things that other people won't because it's just behind a paywall that's moderate, but definitely worth it when it comes to content creation. There's no ads, no pop-ups, no clickbait. Just great sports writing. Tells a story behind the story. You get exclusive player profiles, deep dive on analytics, power rankings. You get some fantasy sports stuff. If you want to see if their fantasy sports stuff lines up with ours, um, I think it does, but, you know, you can go find out for yourself. When you log in and sign up for The Athletic for the first time, they're going to ask you to just choose your favorite teams and choose the leagues that you want to follow, and then they start customizing the, your personal needs, news feed just for you so you get the content that you want, and they kind of learns as you go, as you go um, about what it is that you're interested in reading. They have live writer Q&As. All you have to do is download The Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, pick your favorite leagues, and it'll just begin figuring all that stuff out for you. Right now, if you uh, are a listener to the DFSR podcast, you can get a 40% off your yearly subscription to theathletic.com. You get to go to theathletic.com slash overtime, just like the podcast we're network on, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, all lowercase when you type that in uh, to make that work. Theathletic.com slash overtime is going to give you 40% off the yearly subscription. The last time these guys were sponsors, I went right up and signed up for this, uh, <laughs> signed up for the subscription, and it was just been it's been completely worth it. Uh, it's you know works out to $2.99 a month once you put in that discount code. So go check it out, theathletic.com slash overtime, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, to get 
the special deal. You will not regret it. Stories with substance, uh, exclusive stuff that no, you're not going to read anywhere else. So go check out The Athletic. All right, uh, let's roll through the 8 o'clock games. They ha we have two of them. The first one is Utah and OKC. We're getting into a weird spot here because we're four games in. I know, I know, told you the Butler news is important. We are starting to look at this situation where we haven't mentioned all that many great fantasy plays, and I'm very aware of this <laughs> because, you know, we said with Detroit, we're like, ah, maybe Christian Wood, the point guard situation, they kind of get blown out. Whatever, the, the Philly guys are coming back. Um, that's, that gets a little weird. I mentioned the Knicks starter situation. The price on the Atlanta guys might be up, and if Butler plays, then Miami gets really weird, and so does Charlotte. So I'm starting, you're starting to think, well, where are the fantasy plays? And then you look at a Utah and OKC, and it's like, well, okay, <laughs> maybe not here either, because this is, these are two teams that have been relatively healthy, Utah especially. Conley's been playing a little bit better of late, but they've been playing their rotations, and the price has been adjusted accordingly. OKC, the only issue, the only thing is uh, SGA, Shea Jogos Alexander sat out last game, um, but he is back in this game, and all these guys are appropriately priced. That being said, at some point, we might just need to start playing some appropriate play, appropriately priced guys if we don't get the injury news. Like, do you kind of feel that way with the, this, this game? Because I, I do see some players kind of creeping around some of our lineups from this game. Yeah, I think you're you're touching on exactly my feelings for it. You know, like we ran Donovan Mitchell the other night. It didn't feel incredible, <laughs> but sometimes you just need a guy who costs seven thousand a shooting guard, and you don't need like. I think this is a, a problem people have in their evaluation process when they're trying to make lineups. Like in the effort to get a, a busted play at every position, where you're just like, ah, wow, this guy thirty T.J. McConnell the thirty five hundred. He's starting. Like, wow, this. I'm going to score 360 points in cash tonight. Like, just not every single night's like that. Now, it's been like that more this season for whatever reason, but people are just quick to forget that for much of DFS history, we've just had to play regular guys in regular matchups and just kind of get, you know, a 5% discount here and a 10% discount there. So I'm not opposed to playing, you know, like if I have like just Chris Paul from this game, sure. If I have, you know, stay like Steven Adams squeaks by in center, centers another position, we haven't been enthusiastic about any plays yet so far. I should have mentioned, um, yeah, I should have mentioned Deadman. I meant to mention as we were going. I think Deadman is a, is a good play. So like he's at five thousand. I think he can probably get there on the minutes. But I'm with you on Adams. It's not. I'm not. Could, he could, and Deadman could, right? But he's a guy too that we've looked at at four thousand and been pretty unexcited about. We have a one game track record right. of him playing twenty seven minutes, uh, and that was in that double overtime game, right? So I don't, I don't know that we're we're really doing it tonight in terms of anticipating, like I said, a three hundred and sixty point cash game line. So you just can't avoid every single game. And I think for that reason, sure. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be excited really about any of these plays. But if someone like, you know, one of these high floor, especially high time on ball guys like Chris Paul, Donovan Mitchell showed up in lineups, I think you can do that and just hope that you're building around it well. Uh, Chris Paul in particular has really put up some significant fantasy point totals recently for what that's worth. You know, that just might increase how highly owned he is. I don't know that it, it moves our bottom line too much, but yeah, I think he's he's solidly a seventy five hundred dollar player right now. Yeah, right now, like I said, there's no injury news on this game outside the the SGA piece where he is just probable. So we I have him projected to come back in and play. I think like some people probably will be looking at the Stephen Adams versus Dwayne Dedman choice and at least on at least on Fanduel and wondering like you know what the best way to go is. I probably lean Dedman on the $900 savings when it's all said and done. But again, I'm with you that the one game track record, 
uh, like the Atlanta, this is just hard, hard to kind of figure, and it's not like his minutes have been all that robust. This is Deadman I'm speaking about, have been all that robust. Mm -hmm. Anyway, though Adams has at times has kind of gotten burned off some of his minutes as well. The other piece of injury news that is probably critical to this slate is the other 8 o'clock game is Denver at Dallas. Now, right now, Kristaps Porzingis is not on the injury report, but he has not played any back-to-backs this season. He sat at every single back-to-back um, since they began the year. I want to believe that we'll know this news well ahead of time. I'm also wondering, like, how much it's really going to matter. Now, like, right now, because this is a good matchup and these Dallas guys aren't necessarily cheap. Right now in our system, I have it as if uh, Chris Haps is not playing with, like, you know, full queries on for him being off the court. And it's really not still not drawing out a ton of these guys. Like, Luca's not really there, even though he gets increases across the board. The only guy is Max Kleber. Even if Chris Tass were to sit, I feel like we should be able to draw out some value here. And I'm maybe, you know, at the early in the morning, not seeing it completely. And that's, I don't know, has me a little bit concerned. I guess maybe a little low on Dorian Finney-Smith's minutes. But other than that, like, is it the matchup here? Is it just that the Dallas guys have all kind of just gotten there on price. I, I find it a little weird that outside of Kleber, none of these guys are here, but I, sometimes that's just the kind of the state of the, the state of the situation. Yeah, well, Kleber, thankfully, fills like exactly the position that we would hope for him to fill, too. So I think I could, uh, I think I could get behind a little Kleber candidacy uh, coming out of the power forward position. And I, th- I don't know, some of these other guys, too, like you're seeing good minutes out of Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway uh, Jr., and some of these other guys, but that's also brought the price up to a pretty sizable point. And at some point, you know, Chris Stapps is a high usage player, but this team still has Luka Doncic on it. And this is still one of the worst matchups going, right? I mean, Denver, I think they're dead last in pace in the NBA this season. Oh, second behind Charlotte right now. So the second slowest pace in the entire NBA. And when there are just fewer possessions to go around, fewer shots, fewer rebounds, and so on, that's going to just, that's going to often undo all the good work you do by get like you get a little usage bump with Chris taps out but if you get you know four fewer possessions during the game like that evens itself out pretty quick so yeah I think like I said I was a little low on Finney Smith he played 37 minutes coming out last night um after having sat a couple games because of injury so I could probably get a little bit more aggressive in his price he's one of these yeah look he played 37 minutes and scored 19 fantasy points so it's not like he at times he can just kind of go out there and not do a whole lot. This is what's going to happen when you share the court with a guy like Luca and share the court with a guy like Porzingis. But if you lose half of that group, uh, there is sort of more to go around. So like I said, I'm hoping that we get this information ahead of time. This is an hour after lock and on a rest situation that we usually know this like after shoot around because they just kind of have signaled what the plan is when, when it's strictly a rest thing, right? Like not when it's you know, an illness or trying to testing for an injury. Uh, so I'm really hoping to have it. I will say that other times that this has been the case, Chris Tapps has been on the early injury report as being doubtful. And so that's why it's just standing out to me right now that he's not, right? That, I'm, that's, what, that's mostly why I'm making like a sort of like sort of belaboring the point here about the status is because I just know for a fact that when this has been the case, this has been clear sort of out from the outset. And it just isn't that case. So we'll just have to really keep an eye on that news. What about the Denver side? Um, 
you know, they're, they still kind of run some deep rotations, like Paul Millsap will start, but then Jeremy Grant outplays him from a minutes perspective. I do think the plan is to play guys like Will Barton, uh, like somewhere in the mid-30s minutes when, all th when things are all going correctly. Uh, that hasn't totally been the case every time out, just because they've had some blowouts, like the Milwaukee game was a blowout. That's when the Bucks had everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but he did play 36 against Cleveland, uh, 34 against Golden State, and some of these ones that stayed a little closer. Could you talk yourself into any of these Denver guys? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Barton, he was a, a chalk option. I think it was two games ago. Who were they playing against? It was a good matchup. Cleveland, I think. Yeah, Cleveland. Uh, so, yeah, I could see Barton in particular. You know, like on nights like tonight, I think it's important to look for those high floor options that are going to be out there almost regardless of the game script. People that don't tend to lose minutes, you know, whether the team is up or down or, or what have you. Uh, so I think between like Barton, Jamal Murray, I think is another one. Maybe not a super exciting ceiling on this current price tag, but he's going to go out there and get you, you know, 18 to 20 points, six, seven assists. And I think that's solid, right? It's, you know, right back in that Chris Paul territory of you just need a point guard sometimes. Point guard's another position, by the way, that I've noticed that we haven't really drawn out any exciting plays at all so far. Yeah. Maybe there's just a theme on the night. Who are the exciting well, that's, plays? That's kind of what I was like um, signaling to start. I was like, this is, a, yeah. this is a, if, if we don't, if we don't get like this Butler or Chris Tapps news, this slate is really just. Hope your projection system is very on point with minutes that we know from very known quantities, right? That's yes, like, that's, right. that's like that's in a, in a way that maybe we haven't even totally seen this season. It's yeah, because it could be a big decision between Jamal Murray and Chris Paul, two guys that you might not have played on any other given night in matchups like these because you'd have some great value somewhere else. But yeah, almost uh, for sure, what's going to happen is you're going to be staring down the barrel of a play that you do not like. Is my guess. Like that is like I think that can't wait. Is, yeah, no kidding. I think that is almost set in stone even if we were to get some of this other stuff just because a lot of the, like a lot of these teams are slow and very good at defense or have very very weird minutes like uh, Detroit weird minutes Knicks weird minutes Charlotte just bad and slow Utah good on defense and slow OKC slow and good on defense Miami slow and good on you know what I mean this is the list there's only eight games or so, excuse me there's only six teams yeah so. this is what I was pointing to earlier yeah. when we were talking about I can't even remember what play now but I was like looking ahead here we got some slow teams and some some tough defenses so thankfully the last the game on the slate is not the case here and maybe this is where we just end up going but it's New Orleans and Sacramento the game has a 235 over under now I will say there's only two games that have published full lines right now and that's that's New Orleans this, this game New Orleans and Sacramento Sacramento, and then the Knicks in Atlanta. Everyone else is just waiting on in injury information, I suppose, that just isn't allowing books to, to get a firm line on it. But this game has a 235 over-under. Two teams that are still sort of in the playoff hunt here. Um, I, I, Sacramento is probably... Yeah, they're both three and a half games back in Memphis. Yeah, I mean... They're both the same record. And I'll also say right now, too, and this is... Uh, I just remember this as we, as we sort of were leading into this game. I had a dream last night that Zion Williamson tore his ACL. I'm just saying that from... Uh, uh, that I just remembered it Yikes. right now. Yeah, and it was... And I remember in my dream just being like devastated <laughs> like just like like oh my god I don't do well with injuries as it begins with and I'm and I just the fact that I'm dreaming about like different players that I really like watching play and if, yeah that's not saying much I ever I think everyone likes watching him play but um so that was my dream last night so I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this one with beta breath to make sure that I'm not like seeing into the future on certain things but where do we want to be in this gun? I, I we wrote up Brandon Ingram as a play. Um, you know, Darren Fox going the other way, but at the Sacramento's been a little bit weird with their minutes, with their starter minutes. They're not playing these guys a ton. Uh, give me your thoughts on this game. I feel like we're going to want to have exposure to it, though early on, that's not necessarily the case with our system. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm seeing two or three guys from this game in all of our top lineups. That's I would say some some level of significant exposure. Uh, whether you can 
so the and the issue the reason you probably can't do too much more than that is especially new orleans since zion's back this has just been the team right like you know all these guys basically are at peak prices right now when you consider that zion has been there balls pushing eight thousand. Yeah. i mean this guy's Average 33 fantasy points on the season in spite of the fact uh, that Zion joined them halfway through. Drew Holiday pushing 9,000. Also, you know, that would be... like So who are the guys are in their current prices are priced to 5x points per product per game? I like... So I like a, a, a FanDuel, I, I, can, I, I don't mind Ingram because I do think... I'm not saying I mind any of these guys. What I'm saying is none of them are priced well relative to their season-long production. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I got you right. Because they when went that's through, the case, yeah, they went just, you're just not going to... They're not going to jump off the page at you, right? Like it's not none of these guys is a tremendous value in their own right. When you consider that theoretically, things should get a little tougher given that Zion's around. Now that hasn't really played out that way. He's actually opened things up for them, I'd say, to some degree, and perhaps he's gotten less at the table than many would have considered. Um, so anyway, a long story short is New Orleans falls to me in a slightly rich man's version of what we've talked about earlier, where you have a lot of guys that you're already sort of paying a premium on. But you're getting them in a decent matchup, whereas, you know, like if you compare Ball to, say, Chris Paul, Chris Paul's playing Utah, right. and Ball's playing Sacramento, so maybe that winds up being a tiebreaker for you. But, yeah, it's still not it's still not exciting, I don't think, to play these guys at season-high price. Yeah, and I think that, that's mostly the issue, is that, like, there's not like we don't have these guys for pretty robust fantasy production. It's just that when you factor in the price, like you said, Drew Holiday, he's up to 8700 on FanDuel, and he had a huge... So like one of the best games of his career fantasy wise last time mm-hmm. out against uh, uh who was that again? I forget whoever they played over the weekend. Um I was just looking at it, but he was he absolutely crushed it. It was actually he played I'm the reason I'm remembering it so fondly, at least from a fantasy production oh Minnesota, that's right. Um, is that we were one of the we kinda have bought him low owned and he kinda just was able to carry us way way over the top in terms of lineups. And you can't it, you can't take them. I mean, maybe you can take these guys to like 40 minutes because the, I will say the other good news about being like pretty aggressive on the minutes here is like we said at the very beginning of this this talk is that these two teams are very still, very much still in the playoff fight. Memphis has made it harder by they won four games in a row. And so they're both yeah, three and a half games back in the loss column. And they, and, and Portland's right there in the mix too. But this is a, this is a pretty leveraged game for both. So if you want to go peak minutes – on both teams, I think you can get there pretty easily, and if maybe that's the tiebreaker on some of these other like sort of sh- shorter, slower, or slower games with maybe a little bit less to play for. Maybe that's the tiebreaker on being a little bit overboard on the two teams. And I will say on the King side, I'm a little concerned because they played some close games here, and these starters have not been playing like massive minutes. Like Darren Fox just mm-hmm. doesn't play. 36 minutes a game. Like they, they were five point game last time. He played 31. They lost by 12. He played 28. He did play 36. And again, they lost by 17 to Philly. Close one against Washington, 32. Close one against Detroit, 32. Close one against Memphis, 33. Like, how aggressive can we really get on a guy like Darren Fox, who right now is showing up in a lot of our lineups? Yeah, I don't know that you need to get super aggressive on him. I think, you know, just kind of putting the right number of minutes in is, but what I guess your question is more like what are the right number of minutes yeah. I think it's something like 32 um, and I don't know if that gets him into lineups or not but recent production suggests that this is a fair price and like we've talked about earlier this is a fair price plus a good matchup and I think 
that gives him the nod for me over some of these guys with fair prices and bad matches. I have him at so. 34 right now. If, even if it was at 32 to 33 at 7,800, just because there's not a ton of other value on the slate so far, he's probably just in lineups anyway. So maybe it's a moot point. Like maybe it doesn't. Maybe he's just kind of like pretty far ahead of the group. And, and like and just the pace of play and what uh, opposing teams get against point guards for New Orleans, maybe it's just the whole story. I I think you can probably still play Bogdan Bogdanovich, although he's very scoring dependent, and you really need to get there on the ball. Him just basically shooting the three and having it go in because when he scores, that's my guy, buddy. I'll, I'll tell you when you're supposed to play Bogdan. Yeah, I know you got. Right? You got him. Like, let me let me keep you in the loop on that because we <laughs> this is the luckiest stupid Bogdan game ever. We had him at two percent on DraftKings, and oh, against Portland. it was a night similar to this where yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. It was a night similar to this where it was just like, I don't know, man. There's no good plays, so I'm just gonna trust the system yeah. to. To spit one out, and people are like Bogdan, no one's going to play him, and no one did, and he scored fifty fantasy <laughs> yeah, points good. in DraftKings. Well, there you so. go. Let's end on that note because I will. Yeah. I will say the last thing is I think he he's very much in play, um, and if you want to get like you know I, I think Lisa is fine probably at forty eight hundred although his minutes have kind of gone um, a little bit on the downward track, uh, and then Harrison Barnes too. Uh, Harrison Barnes. The fewest mentions of, I think our fourth or fifth season of the podcast, I think this is our fewest mentions of Harrison Barnes in a given season, which is means we're evolving. So good buoy to us uh, for finally figuring out the Harrison Barnes Achilles heel that seemed to be crushing us for years and years and years. On that note, you can sign up for our projection system at dfsr.com slash deals, or if you like to type in more, uh, just more hunting around your keyboard, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com slash deals, but you like it easier, dfsr.com slash deals. That'll get you a seven-day free trial to our projection system powered by our good friends over at Lineup Lab, Optimal Lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA, NHL, which our users are over the moon about what Chris Durrell is doing for our NHL system this season. It's going to include MLB, which is only just about two weeks away on the baseball season. So uh, it's all covered in the one subscription package, uh, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com or dfsr.com slash deals. We'll get you started. Buddy, Enjoy your Wednesday in hoops. Peace.